Thank you for listening to We Have Ways of Making You Talk. Sign up to our Patreon to receive bonus content, live streams and our weekly newsletter with money off books and museum visits as well. Plus early access to all live show tickets. That's patreon.com slash we have ways. Achtung, Achtung, welcome to episode Fund, Fund und, und Ein of, uh, of We Have Ways of uh, Making You Talk. Uh, um, well, actually, I, I, you know what? Because like, there are some episodes I, I, I pretty much I can pretty much recall, but which which also leads me to realise there's quite a lot. I I can't. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. We've got to be careful not to repeat ourselves, haven't we? Well, well, yeah. I mean, uh, judging by the um, the thing that someone posted yesterday of a sort of bingo list of stuff we're likely to say. Um, yeah, uh, I thought that was quite funny. Uh, it was. It was pretty. It was pretty funny. It was also uh, fairly fairly uh, truthful. But um, there we go. But yes, here we are. Um, and I particularly I did enjoy the the, the two we did with, um, about Malta and are really really interesting yeah. to talk to Timmy. I uh, just the the idea of finding the eagle. It's just so, oh, it's yes. it's such a, it, what, what a thing that will be. And, you know, like he says, the other aircraft, all the other aircraft carrier has been found. So, um, yeah. you know. I, I would just really recommend anyone who hasn't looked at it already, look at underwatermalta.org. Oh, that it's site so is amazing. amazing. Yeah, 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 absolutely He's just incredible. sent over some pictures. Actually, he sent pictures of the um, of the HIO being blasted yeah. and going yeah. under. Yeah. So, um, um, yeah. I'll post that up later. Yes, underwatermalta.org, isn't it? It's, underwatermalta.org, yeah. yeah it's, it's, got, it's just, it's just yeah. incredible photographs of all the stuff yeah. that they've... That now, they've, um, we've, we've got lots... On. Lots to talk about. Let's let's start off with this. I'm going to put my, I'll put my glasses on because there's some more grease to talk about as well. Isn't there's definitely there? more grease to talk. We, um, did, we didn't we didn't finish it. By and I've got a I great. Feel we need to see it through to the end. I've got a great Alex quote about grease, which is really really interesting. Nice. Where you can see. Anyway, we'll get to it. Um, so uh, Steve Prince said sent this to us. It's from. Um, uh, it's an essay by Gerhard Weinberg called "The German Generals and the Outbreak of War: Thirty Eight to Thirty Nine." While imprisoned along with other German generals and admirals after the Second World War, Field Marshal Ritter von Lieb wrote in his diary on the 10th of December 1945. After the experiences of this war, maybe I should, maybe I should, let's give it, it's episode 501. After the experiences of this war, we yeah, shall... that's much better. <laughs> okay. After the experiences of this war, we shall, in view of the enormous numerical superiority of the English fleet, have to give priority in a future naval construction program to U-boats, destroyers, mine layers, above all to the strongest naval air arm in order to be able to search out and destroy the English fleet in its hidden bases. Now, that's I've the I've got one word to say to that. Duh. I mean... Well, I mean, yeah, obviously. I mean, that was so obvious in the late 1930s. It's just yes, extraordinary. But, yes, but also um, the atom bomb has since been invented. So war, war I'm afraid, uh, uh, Field Marshal, has changed. Like, yes. quite radically. You know, the, the, the Labour government scraps the British fleet two years, this, yeah. this enormous British fleet two three, uh, two, three years later, doesn't it? The whole lot goes to bottom. And, and they're doing that because they've decided the atom bomb is the future. So this guy is... In December of 1945, Germany having been destroyed at this point. I mean, because we've we've talked about that a lot, haven't we? The spring of the spring of 1945, Germany is essentially destroyed, laid waste to. You know, its cities destroyed, its industrial capacity destroyed, its armies ruined. I mean, 
Well, the point the point is 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 this is von Bock, right? No, this is von Lieb. Von Lieb. Okay, von Lieb. Yeah. Okay, so the the, the point is is uh, yes, because von Bock kills himself, doesn't he? I think. Yeah. Or gets killed. The point about 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 this is that. He's absolutely right for 1938-39. Well, exactly. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah, not yeah. right yeah. for 1945. Yeah. But, but, but it is, I still think the Z plan, which is the pre-war naval plan, which is to create vast numbers of, of aircraft carriers, battleships yeah. and all the rest of it, which they haven't got a hope of doing at the expense of U-boats, is just one of the most ridiculous and stupid plans that yeah. the Nazis invest in I, I mean you know, thank goodness they do but it's, it's it's astonishing but that's armaments procurement as conspicuous consumption you know you, you, you an aircraft carrier is shiny and the public go oh wow isn't Germany back, yeah. back yeah, and yeah, vital yeah. and powerful rather than I mean what, what, what yes, the but, SA- but, but, but that's still absolutely bonkers yeah. you, you can't see beyond something big it's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. But von Wein- but, 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 uh, Weinberg goes on in the essay to say, here we see a conservative and generally moderate German military leader so fastened to perceptions of a world which had vanished that he quite automatically assumes that World War II will be followed after an appropriate interval by World War III, in which Germany will fight essentially the same enemies as in the two preceding struggles, but will, of course, attempt to do better by applying the lessons learned in the war that had just ended. I mean, if one of those whose reputation as a sceptic about National Socialism was strong enough for, for him to be rudely retired in the house cleaning of 4th February 1938, could express himself in the manner quoted after the Second World War, it should be easier to understand how completely a new conflict was thought likely, perhaps assumed inevitable during the First World War. I see, you see, because we, we've, we've touched on this before. When you look at the, when you look at, um, all the generals that you know, Liddell Hart and uh, people are talking to after the war, they're all they're all basically saying, "Well, if only we'd been allowed to do things properly, do it, do our things way. Our, our way." Which, after all, is a, is a sort of echo of the stab in the back idea, isn't it? The politicians let the army down, let the poli- let the generals down. If only the if only the politicians had just shut up. And in this instance, the politicians aren't as after the First World War. Jews and socialists, it's and social democrats. It's it's Hitler. The, the, the generals are going, you know, the fly in the ointment here isn't socialism. It, it's um, it's and judo Bolshevism or whatever. It's Hitler, right? If, uh, if you keep butting in and kind of getting in the way, exactly. And I think I think it's very very interesting that 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 because like he says, this is this is a guy who's who's out of favour in 1938, and even after Germany has been, I mean, what. What what are these guys gonna? What's gonna happen to them for yeah, them yeah, to yeah. realise? I mean, yeah, what planet are they on? I mean, it's just extraordinary, yeah. isn't it? It is truly extraordinary. So Gerhard Weinberg, yeah. he lives in the states. He's German, but he's he's right. incredibly eminent academic, right? And um, he's very very elderly now, and much venerated. Yeah, and uh, I remember and he wears he wears little sort of um, bootstring ties. You know, those oh, kind nice. of American Wild West ones. With a kind yeah, of but- tight, with a shirt buttoned up, and he wears yeah, yeah. a sort of cowboy shirt, a little buck- comp- uh, with a sort of buckle at the top, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and it's just awesome. totally incongruous. Anyway, the <laughs> first time I got invited to the um, National World War Two Museum conference in New Orleans, yeah, I was asked to do a piece on on Hitler as a war leader, right? And I thought, God, you know, all these Americans haven't been over. Well, you know, what do I do? So I decided to do a, a mnemonic, right? And um, I spelt out the word rubbish because I thought, you know. It's, it's, it would be funny because, you know, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. that's a British word and, you know, not trash and yeah, yeah. all the rest of it. So anyway, so Gerhard <laughs> stands up in front of me. Uh-huh. He's on first. Right. 
and literally does the most boring talk you've ever heard in your life. It's just like, and then... Oh, no. Reading from a thing. And everyone's just like, oh, marvellous, you know, he's so eminent. And then I start up, but it's too late to kind of ch- change it. You know, I've, I've committed <laughs> to my rubbish mnemonic. It was incredibly embarrassing, I have to say. <laughs> What would what did the second B stand for? Um, R for R is for what? Uh, race, I think. Right. U is for okay. U boats, not another right. one. Yeah. Um, B. I just can't remember. I'll have it somewhere. Right. Um, I'll dig it out. Uh, but but I thought it was enormously witty and and brilliant. <laughs> and, oh, I've just. And, I've, and, and you know, and, and it just. Um, um, yeah, H was hubris. I remember. Now, I've just, I've just, I've just looked him up in the um, on the on the wiki engine, and he he was he was involved in the Hitler diaries controversy and and thought that yeah. on balance they were real. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's but, well, you know, his 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 reputation didn't suffer as a result. He's honestly, he's incredibly eminent. His book on the Second World War is literally unreadable. I mean, you know, I'm sure it's brilliant, but it, but it is, it's so dense. It's, it's like this big red paperback and it's about, you know, 1,200 pages of incredibly small writing with, yeah. you know, truly gargantuan amounts of footnotes. Yeah. And, and, and you know, it, 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 it you know, it, it's as dry as the Western desert. Right. Well, but you know, well, but, you, but know, you can't put a price on eminence, can you? But he makes an excellent point there, though, doesn't he? That's that's yes, a- he does. Yeah, well, he's a brilliant historian. Don't get me wrong. I'm not. I'm not dissing him <laughs> at all. I'm just dissing his writing style. It just could be a bit more fluent. But as a, as a historian, he's obviously you know deserves his place in the pantheon of Second World War historians. You know, he's, he's a great man. Well, anyway, we're all very funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, uh, I'm just, I'm just wondering what the eyes. St- anyway, I, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna move away from the rubbish there. Do now we would remember. Uh, that, I mean, that is a very, that is a very interesting point though, because because you know the accusation um, that's levelled at the British is when they start the second. The the, the 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 received view is that the British are trying to fight the First World War again, aren't they? And yeah. you you learn the lessons of you fail to learn the lessons of the war. You just think that the war, the next war you're going to get is be like the last one you fought. But the idea that a German general in 1945 thinks that is still thinking that is <laughs> still thinking that is amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Um, yeah, now you've is. got now if you hear Jim sniffling, by the way, um, you've got the you've got the dreaded COVID, haven't you? I think I've got COVID. I, I'm not sure. I haven't got any tests, so I can't actually check. Right. But but coming back from um, on from Greece the other day. Um, there was a guy hacking behind me in, 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 well, in, do in, in the aircraft, so I'm sure that's it. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, it's quite annoying to get to Cornwall and then discover you've got it, particularly on on my daughter Daisy's birthday yesterday. So yeah. I'm coming through the whole thing, walking. You know. Oh no, nightmare! Just got to sweat it out. But actually, it's a bit worse than last time. Um, really? I've got that kind of, sort of weird COVID brain. You know, where you just feel a bit kind of fuggy. Oh. I'm all right when I sit still, but you know, yeah. you're gonna. Oh, that's no good. Mm-hmm. Now, um, now we talked about we talked about uh, Greece a fair bit last week, and uh, uh, the, the, we got to what the end of nineteen forty three. Well, we we're in the sort of middle of nineteen forty three, weren't we? So we we'd done yeah. Harling, and then in November nineteen forty two, which was kind of you know strategically great, tactically kind of you know missed the point. Um, but um, well, rather tactically good, but strategically uh, yeah. a waste of time. And then we got on to Operation Animals, which we talked about before, because this was part of the yep. um, reception plan. Oh, my God. And I've seen Operation Mincemeat. Ah, yes. Let's talk yes. about that first. <laughs> I'll just tell you about that for a few yeah. minutes. Um, I actually made some notes on this because I, I was getting so irritated. Um, 
Hold on, I've funnily enough, funnily enough, so funny. funnily enough, someone asked me if they'd if I'd seen it um, uh, at the weekend, and I said, "Well, no, I haven't." And 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 anyway, because uh, we were talking about the stage show, the Operation uh, Mincemeat stage show, which is like a sort of. I think it's a two-hander, like, or it's four people right. or something doing the whole story, and it's a musical and and all that sort of thing. Apparently, it's and it's very entertaining. I'm I, I'm I'm told, um, but but obviously you then get into the thing of, well, given it was an untold story, why is there a film from 1957 about it? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> you, do exactly. you you know? Well, I put I put um, uh, first of all, it wasn't raining on D-Day for Sicily. Um, so there's lots of sort of guys in landing craft with sort of slashing of rain down. It's like, nope. Bravo. Um, it was windy, but it wasn't raining. Um, absolutely no need for a Jewish family to flee Britain in January 1943. I mean, you and Montague's wife and children might have moved, but there was no need to. There was, you know, they really cranked that up. You know, it's too dangerous yeah. to stay here. Not in January 1943, isn't it? Yeah. Um, um, Churchill wasn't spending his time in the bowels. He sort of goes, it's good to be out of the bowels. It's like, absolutely just quit this whole kind of Churchill in a bunker thing. It's just absolute yeah. nonsense. Yeah. Um, I, I thought it was the worst depiction of WS, um, WSC ever, Churchill. I mean, well, really, really bad. Ever. I thought it was just terrible. I mean, it just, you the, know. Worse than the comic strip one. Where... <laughs> oh, well, I don't know about that. But, but, but in, a, in, a, in a kind of, inverted commas, serious, serious film, yeah. it was awful. And also he was completely grey, which of course we now know he wasn't. Yeah. From, from that portrait. Um, yeah. Way too many cars at Horse Guards. Yeah. Um, suddenly Chumley starts wearing an RM commando uniform, which is really weird. I know he's trying to sort of wear it in, but, but you know, yeah. there's other ways of doing it than that. Um, <laughs> uh, this is the most egregious of all, is it's the wrong type of Citroen in 40, uh, 49 minutes 51. Okay, that's the, that's the juice. That's the stuff we want to hear. It's the wrong kind yeah, of Citroen. That was really wrong. It's really wrong. They see it, You see it in Spain. You see the Citroen going along, and it's a, it's a post-war Citroen, not a pre-war Citroen. I mean, it's a schoolboy. Um, uh, also, th then you have Montague, um, you and Montague's wife writes to Hester, who's this other character, at the mm. 20, um, at the, uh, the double X committee office. It's like, yeah. what? Yeah. That, that's just not going to happen, is it? No. It's supposed to be secret. Yeah. Massively overplaying the jeopardy. Yeah. Um, and then at the end of it, Jean, who is played by the lovely Kenny MacDonald, She's completely compromised mincemeat in this particular strand of the of the film, which I yeah. don't think happened in real life, if I'm yeah. rightly. Yeah. Um, and and then it says at the end, I'm going to leave because I'm going to become a a, a secret agent. <laughs> Do you think? I think if you just compromised a top secret mess, uh, operation, <laughs> love, I don't think you're going to be sent or packed off to SOE. <laughs> The whole thing is also there's this ludicrously implausible meeting with the commander of Seraph, the submarine. Yeah. yeah. Which drops it out. So, so they suddenly go. Okay, we obviously need to explain what's going on with 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 Husky now. So they have this meeting. There's a big map, and Montague and Chumley are talking to the commander of Seraph, and they sort of go, "Well, good luck. You know, I, this is what's happening here, and this is what's happening here." So, like, what the fuck? I mean, what, what are you doing there? You know, there's just absolutely no way that would have happened. Ever. No, no, that's um, and then and that's then that's absurd. That, that's absolutely that, that's really bad. Really bad. Yeah, I've put. Worst scene in film. Um, <laughs> then I put, what are they doing praying at night in the office? I mean, yeah. once, once Husky's underway, yeah. they'll all go to bed. The yeah. Job done. You don't sit there all night waiting for, you know, teleprinters to come in. Yeah, yeah. Then when it all goes right, they all clap in that kind of sort of, you know. I mean, I was expected to sort of, uh, you know, the, the, the lone trumpet and kind of sort of, you know, Aaron Copland kind of style to kind of kick in. 
Ah, oh, fucking hell. And then, and then, at the <laughs> end of me. it, Chumley and, and, and Colin and, and you and Montague are sitting on the steps outside, you know, in Whitehall. Yeah. And um, overlooking, uh, overlooking St. James's Park. And Colin Firth goes, wow, we've saved some lives today. <laughs> but, uh, you know, sorry, mate, I don't think you saved any, frankly. <laughs> you know. Uh, uh, oh, it was pretty awful. Uh, but mind you, mind you, Jim. I quite enjoyed it. Mind you, I think, given how critical, um, uh, I know you've been of SOE, maybe she did go off and join SOE. After all, it's like, well, a, <laughs> like a Swiss cheese. <laughs> yeah, because they were so rubbish. Yeah, that's decidedly possible. Oh, by, mean, the way, by the way, um, uh, to, to go tangential here, although it's, it's because we're talking about SOE and sort of secrets and stuff, Um. Uh, one of one of one of the listeners, Chris Olivant, he um, went to the Colonel's talk at um, uh, at We Have Ways Fest and was fascinated by all the bridging stuff because he's an engineer, and so they've been having this rather sweet correspondence going backwards and forwards of of stuff, right? Chris Olivant um, and the Colonel, yeah, 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 yeah. Nice. asking about, but 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 basically they've ended up here. Chris, prior to D-Day, there was a special gathering of intelligence persons from all the services on the top floor of Selfridges, known as the Martians, who collected as as much detail as possible, including all those holiday postcards of the beaches and structures like Pegasus Bridge, who wrote it up um, in int sums and technical briefings. There was also a specialist engineer topographical unit in an Oxford college who looked at resources, including water. Inputs were from Photorecchi, the Resistance, SIS, SOE, engineering contractors, academic treatises, and the specialist teams who crawled along, who crawled ashore by night from small craft and miniature subs to me- measure the beach angles and the bearing capacity of the sand and examine the defences. One, a sapper officer called Scotty Scott Bowden, was reputed to develop a relationship yeah, with Scott a French Bowden girl. Was there, That's there, right. There, was, but but yeah. he got, got a girlfriend on these missions, and when his boat had done its job on a radar picket on D Day himself, he went ashore to find her. Sidetracked, he, he took over a sapper unit on the beach which had lost its CO and made sure they performed their tasks. He was given an MC, having been threatened with a court martial for abandoning his ship. <laughs> but, That's but, brilliant. But one of the points, one of the points, um, uh, well, he goes on. Maxi was used, I believe, as a sort of technical advice on the structures, such as the bridges and the mulberries, which involved a lot of steel elements. So steel elements. So that's an engineering... I dare say there was naval engineering service which worked with them on that for security reasons. I expect they had to advise on a lot of things which were not strictly relevant to D-Day. So it's that thing of they have to do tons of things so you can't narrow it down to what you're actually studying. So you're studying everything, which I think is really, really really interesting. Outside the box. Yeah, exactly. The staffs of of the assault divisions like 3rd Div were brought into the picture with just enough time to plan. The bigots, first of all, that's the level of security clearance you get for D-Day. Goodness knows what the cover plan was for the two special floating Baileys I was talking about, because they'll have had a cover story for them. (laughs) The two Sapper Field Companies rehearsed like mad. Ox and Buck's L.I. Kudaman team rehearsed on the county's weir bridges on the edge of Exeter. I have an, uh, um, I have, uh, uh, and then as a PS, I have a memory of an outrageous dinner night in Scotty's mess when he commanded an engineer regiment in BAOR. My own CO, who had served with SOE, now the MC from fighting with the Italian partisans, was very competitive and introduced a special mess game he'd learned from them, which meant we all got very drunk very quickly. The follies of youth. So there you go. Well, the Scott Bowden um, um, MC court martial um, palaver, that reminds me of B.B. Mont. Do you know the story? No, go on. Is, so B.B. Mott is a legendary fighter pilot, pre-war fighter yeah. pilot, you yeah. know, started on biplanes, hurricanes in, in Battle of France, 
got back, 87 Squadron, an extra for most of Battle of Britain. Yeah. Total legend. He was the guy who ended up, he was testing the TSR2 back in the 90s. Right. Oh, okay. So he's total, total legend. Anyway, I, I was very lucky enough to, to interview him at some length before he, um, before he passed away. And he told me this amazing story. How it, was, it was spring of 1941. And he had this girlfriend. And the girlfriend said, uh, rang him up, up at the, uh, at the station and said, um, oh, so how are we getting to the party tonight? And he just thought, ah, shit, I've completely forgotten all about it. And he hadn't got a car, so he thought, ah. Oh. He said, so don't worry, just, just, just come here at six and, and I'll sort it out. She said, well, you're being very mysterious. He said, no, 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 just come, come at six, it'll be all be fine. So anyway, so she turns up at six, and in the meantime, he's just having a massive panic and thinking, what am I going to do, what am I going to do? And then he thinks, well, okay, well, I'll just take her in the hurricane. So he, he ranges with his ground crew, his fitter and his rigger, to have it yeah. all ready. Yeah. So she turns up and goes, so where are we get? where's the car? And he goes, I haven't got a car, I've got this. Ta-da! And points to the, the hurricane. She goes, you must be mad, we can't go in that. And she goes, yeah, 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 we can. Because normally, you know, I sit on a parachute, so I'll just sit on you, it'll be fine. <laughs> so anyway, so they take off. And was, he a big, the, uh... was he a big lad? No, he wasn't. He was not a big lad. Right, and, good, um, Anyway, good. So, so she had the thrill of her life and they went off to this party. And they had, you know, I mean, you, you, you could start your hurricane again in a field, you know, if you needed to. Yeah. So... So after the party, they kind of then flew back. And as he, as he landed back down again, he got caught by the station commander who court-martialed him. <laughs> anyway, he got wrapped on the knuckles and, the, and, the, and um, they said, okay. And at the court-martial, um, he got let off. They said, you know, do you know how much it takes to, you know, how, how expensive it is to train someone like you, and, you know, <laughs> reckless, careless in the extreme, blah, yeah, blah, blah. Yeah. blah. Anyway, then he got back to he went back to the station and um, and the station commander said, "Well, I hope you know you're suitably um, suitably chastened by that." And he said, "By the way, this has just come through." And he passed over his envelope. And it was his promotion to squadron leader. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's surely a, there's surely a court martials that never were. Um, uh, you, you know, like after all, I mean, Wingate when he got back from the first Chindit expedition thought that thought that he was going to be court martialed. He yeah. was convinced he was, and then, of course, wasn't was turned into a hero. Anyway, yeah. we'll take we'll take a brief break, and then we'll come back and try and talk about the thing we said we were going to talk about. Welcome back to We Have Ways of Making You Talk with me, Al Murray, and James Holland, of course, with the sniffles, probably COVID. A hacking cough man on an aeroplane. So that's, what, 150 people have all got it then, if there's a bloke on the... Oh, God. He was right behind us, though. Oh, God. I'm I'm meant to be be going to France tomorrow, though. It looks like France is on fire. Anyway, um, we talked a bit about Greece last week, and um, I've been sort of truffling truffle hunting around in it. The the character that I think I find really interesting in in all this, and the person who gets totally stitched up for telling the truth, is Ben Myers. Myers yes. is Myers is Eddie so Myers, in, Eddie Myers. Eddie, Eddie, sorry, Eddie Myers. Eddie Myers is is um he's so interesting, isn't he? Because yeah, um fascinating. Well the interesting thing about him is because because he he's you know he's he's there as when they they first go over and do Harling, and that's the kind of first time they're in there. And this is a sort of classic development of 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 operations behind the lines, isn't it? And resistance. Yeah. It, it takes exactly the same form as anyone else. So, you know, yeah. it takes a while to get going. You know, people have got to organise themselves. Yeah. It's not really until kind of you know latter half of nineteen forty two, beginning of nineteen forty three, that anything of any of any substance is taking place. Yeah. So Harling takes place in November nineteen nineteen forty two, but then they yeah. have all these um, the, these um, deception plans. Yeah. And he recognises immediately that actually. Um, you've got two lot of resistance movements here, primarily. You've also got yep. three, because you've got Ecker yep. as well as yep. Elas yep. and e, um, EDM. And all of them are united by their kind of, by, by their lack of, uh, by their republicanism, their, their, their yep. lack of any interest in the king. But but Elas is, 
at heart communist, but not totally communist. Yeah. And interesting, Stephanos Sarafis, who is a, a, is a former Greek army commander, ends up being the military commander of Eris, yeah. uh, above um, Aris um, um, Vetuotius, the, the big bearded guy. Yeah. And Sarafis is not a commie at all. But no. he thinks, okay, Eris is the biggest. Therefore, you know, the only way we're going to be successful is by controlling yeah, yeah. resources. This is what we're going to have to do. Yes. But at the same time, what, 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 what Myers and Monty Woodhouse realise, who's you know one, his kind of second in command over there in Greece, is that these guys, you know, basically the British are deceiving them because yeah. they're telling them, yes, you know, we are Greece is going to be invaded, and though they're going along on that lines, and actually that isn't the case. It's never yeah. going to be the case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you don't invade them, what's the point? Yeah. What's the point of risking your neck, killing yeah. Germans when you yeah. can just sit in the mountains and just sort of you know yeah. find your time. Yeah, yeah, and make sure that in the post, you know, after the occupation, you've got a little bit of, you know, you've got the political well, high and, ground. And Greek Greek politics is febrile enough that w- w- whatever you do is going to be is going to feed into that. There's, there's a My, Myers Myers basically comes to understand what what is actually going on in Greece, what the factions all are, what they who they all represent, and how trying to get them, you know, t- to work together is going to be very, 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 very difficult. And tells everyone that, and yes. is sacked for his pains. So yes, I mean it's really interesting because because Monty Woodhouse says Myers and I were the only two in Greece who knew that this operation, this is animals, was yeah. simply deception. We yeah. had to deceive our allies as well as the enemy in the interests yeah. of security. So the guerrilla leaders were also convinced, like the Germans, that the liberation of Greece was planned to take place in 1943. The deception was successful, but the consequences of it were grave. Yeah, yeah. yeah. By that time, by the spring of 1943, there's 10 SOE missions in Greece. Uh, and quite often, um, Elas just saying, no, we're not going to take part of this. So, so Aris Velichotis yeah. refuses to blow up the Asopos railway viaduct, for example, yeah. because he thinks yeah. it's too wild of energy. He says, well, I'm not doing that. Yeah. So they have to do it all the time. So most of Animals is conducted not by by um, um, Andates, you know. Yeah, um, partisans, as it were, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, they did carry out ops, because so Elas kills 500 Italians when attacking the Cornovo tunnel in the Salonica, you know, yeah. which is part of the Salonica. And that, yeah. that eastern eastern part of mainland Greece is the, is the key bit, really. Yeah. But in reprisal, the Italians take 118 Greeks from Larissa and shoot them yeah. all in the tunnel. So, yeah. you know, it's pretty brutal. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, you have the... You have the kind of you know in the summer of 1943 you've got this 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 period of extreme danger in Greece because the Italians are about to get out of the war yeah and the Germans are preparing for that and so prior to that they send off the first Gebeziak division to take yeah. over anti partisan operations yeah and these guys are kind of tough Eastern Front veterans who have no truck with partisans whatsoever yeah and. You know, they issue... I mean, the guidelines they issue is extraordinary. All our men are basically to be shot on the spot. Villages from where shots have been fired or where armed men have been encountered are to be destroyed and the male population of these villages to be shot. Elsewhere, all men capable of bearing arms, 16 to 60-year-olds, are to be rounded up. So, God. You know, on the 16th of August, 1943, men of the 98th Regiment, part of the um, 1st Gebergsjäger Regiment, they encircled the village of Camino and um, kill 317 out of the population of 600. And there's not a single guerrilla there, not a single shot has been fired there. There's no um, yep. German losses in it yep. at all. 
Yeah. So in their in their brief reign of terror between July and August 1943, they destroy 184 villages and execute 1,300 Greeks and 500 Albanians. Just that division alone. And, you know, it becomes very, very clear to Mars at this point that they're losing the grip. And that's yeah. when they have this conference in, in Cairo. And, and yeah. you know, London is sort of going, well, I think we should support the six colonels who are just a complete waste of space and yeah. not interested yeah. at all. Well, and, and, and not connected to anything in, anything in particular, are they? So you end yeah. up... So you end up with this with the with the Caserta agreement basically don't you which is yes you know signed signed by Papandreou uh, Serafis and Zervas for the Greeks and Wilson and Macmillan for the allies so Jumbo yes, Wilson Jumbo, Jumbo, Jumbo that's right Jumbo Wilson who's in charge and this is this is the, the, I mean the, the you know the, the thing is is Myers has, Myers at this point, by this point, has been detached from the whole thing, and he's gone back to London, hasn't he? He meets the king, he sees yeah. Churchill, he goes to Chequers, and and all the everywhere he goes, he's being blamed for what's going on in Greece. Myers is bit. Myers comes home and go and goes. This is what's going on in Greece, and he's told it's all his fault. Yeah. And, and and Churchill says he's the chief man who reared the cockatrice brute of Iam Elas. So because basically. You've got you've you've got some of the Greeks have come in, but the rest aren't interested, or are, are sworn enemies of the people who've come in. So that you're never going to get them all under one umbrella, which has kind of worked in France. Kind of. I mean, what's interesting about this is this a more successful deception than Operation Mincemeat, Jim? <laughs> well, the point about Operation Mincemeat is just that the only I mean, you know, I've said it before, but the only person it convinces is Hitler. Yeah, because because. If you're, if you're, you know, you're a sound, <laughs> logical military man like von Lieb, for example, yeah, then yeah. you would know that you couldn't possibly have an invasion of Greece because it's beyond, you know, air, Anyone's, you know, the, yeah, the range yeah, of yeah. fighter aircraft. Yeah, yeah, and you can't, yeah. you can't make an invasion without it. And also, there's yeah. very few places in Greece where you can actually land, land an invasion. Yeah, you know, so you know, it's it, it's absolutely crazy. Um, but but obviously later on you have the, the Italian armistice. And Germany's got yeah. a massive problem on their hands because they've got, you know, there's 213,000 Italian troops in Greece and Crete. There's yeah. 55,000 troops in the Aegean Islands. Yeah. There's 108,000 troops in Albania. There's 71,000 in Montenegro. And 225,000 in Croatia, Bosnia, Slovenia and Dalmatia. I mean, yeah. that's a hell of a lot of troops. What is that? That's about... That's a million. Know, 700,000. Yeah. That's getting yeah. on for three quarters of a million troops, which the yeah. Germans have got a kind of either... Either kind of replace. So what they do is actually they just go, okay, no, we're just going to kind of we're going to um, basically maintain the kind of places that are key, so around Athens and that kind of stuff, and Crete, yeah. which they think is yeah. important. Um, and they, so they come down yeah. like a kind of a, a, a very very hard on on the on the Cretan resistance. And of course, there's two lots of of Cretan resistance as well. There's the EOK, which is purely yeah. Cretan, yeah. and then there's Elas as well. So it's all yeah. incredibly. It's incredibly complicated. And of course, what happens is, is now there aren't so many Germans around in Greece and there's no Italians whatsoever. So yeah. it then slips into civil war. Yeah. You yeah. know, so the truce that has been, been put in place is, you know, so suddenly there's some kind of frantic backtracking and some kind of major work that needs to be done to try yeah. and persuade them to do this. And this happens in February 1944. Another truce happens. But I mean, you know, I mean, Elas has been fighting EDES. There's a there's a SOE agent called Lieutenant Hubbard who's killed by Elas. Yep. Yeah. Um and you know, and there's questions about whether whether the British withdraw from Crease altogether. I mean that doesn't happen and, and you know but 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 it's amazing. I mean it's 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 an absolute mess. But there is this truce. Yeah. And yeah, I mean I mean And this is and, and, and who's brokering this 
uh, from the or who's in the it's Woodhouse now, isn't it? Because Eddie Myers has gone home, so yeah, Woodhouse Eddie Myers is gone. Monty, Monty Woodhouse is still there doing his doing his bit, but he's very much he's also he also knows how how basically the the the, the Gluing this this lot together and trying to come up with something coherent is essentially impossible, doesn't he? And he knows he also knows that the communists are really well organised, and that uh, and 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 very well motivated and all that sort of stuff. So you 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 know the, the, their security, my, my Woodhouse regards their security as actually truly professional, is what he says, and that 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 they're they're not chaotic and they're not leaky and engaged in treachery. They're mobilised communists. Although they're although they're a ti- they're they're a tiny element, they're still very they're, they're important because they're well organised and also they're but they're also a Churchillian bogeyman. So you've got the you've got Churchill really really worried about that as well, isn't he? So so it, as a as a mix as a combination, it's um London. Well, basically, what's what's obviously going to happen is Churchill's going to try and come up with a solution that isn't going to work. I mean, that's the well, well, the, the yes. unfortunate I mean, thing here, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, so so what happens? You have this truce in in February, end of February, on 29th of February, yeah. nineteen forty four. Yeah, and then EAM, which is the political wing of Elas, which is Communist yeah. at Art, thinks, okay, what we need to do is we need to attract a broader cross section of people. <laughs> we need to we need to rule the roost, but we need to attract a wider people. So they then create the Political Committee of National Liberation, the yeah. PEA, P E E yeah. A, on the tenth of March, nineteen forty four, and yeah. they then call on elections in free Greece. Which is quite a lot of it now, yeah, because the Germans aren't there anymore. Yeah, and EAM clearly win with 1.5 million votes, and obviously, so you've now got these three governments because you've got the Quisling government, you've got yeah. the government in exile, and then you've got the, the EAM government. Yeah, yeah, and it's just an absolute mess. So what the what the EAM are doing? They're being quite clever because they're trying to kind of they know that not everyone's a communist, but they want to be in charge. Yeah, so yeah. come on in, the water's warm. Yeah, it's basically what they're saying. You don't want to be bothering with kind of you know EDES. You don't want to be doing with ECA. You don't want to be doing with the kind of you know EOK. You just want to kind of be with us. This is yeah. the one that's going to get us the the kind of you know the the, the social reforms you need, the better bus yeah. services, yeah, the yeah. education, all the rest of it. This is what we need to do. Um, and, and of course, that's so we know exactly what they're trying to do. And and they're kind of you know ELAS and and, and now PEEA are kind of sort of marking time to to yeah. have their opportunity. And their opportunity yeah. is going to be when the Germans then withdraw. Yeah, and everyone knows this is going on, and the situation couldn't be more freebar. So the British try and kind of sort of get around that by having another conference in May 1944. And this is the Lebanon Charter is the outcome. Yeah, and, and in a nutshell, this aims to restore law and order throughout Greece once occupation over. And it promises large supplies of food, medicines, all that kind of stuff. But there's no mention of the king, and that is the big, great, big stumbling block. Yeah, and that's the thing that 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 Churchill is not prepared to countenance yeah. at this stage at all. Yeah, and then finally the Germans begin leaving Crete in October 1944, and also Athens. Yeah, so they're pulling out, and what the what SOE are supposed to do is kind of destroy as many Germans as they can while they're going out, and try and get Elas and EDES to yeah. kind of yeah. to, to to get involved with the, the with these. But but their point of view is we just want rid of them. You know, the last thing we want to do is kind of start fighting them. We just want them to go. Hmm. It, what's in it for us? And, you know, they've got a really, really good point. But then Anthony Eden, <coughs> the British start taking a really close interest in all this because they can see which way it's all going. So Anthony Eden, in August 1944, says, 
If we are to maintain any political influence in South East Europe and, above all, our strategic position in the Eastern Mediterranean after the war, it is essential that Greece should be ruled by a, co a government friendly to us. I regard <laughs> it as essential that British influence in Greece and the traditional connection between the two countries should be preserved. Now, what they're all thinking at this stage is that that's a monarchy. Yeah, yeah, with, yeah. With free elections and not commies. Yeah. But actually, what's starting to kind of start to get into the rhetoric is, okay, maybe the king should abdicate. Yeah. And that will avoid having the commies. Yeah. 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 I mean, the the, the, the thing is, though, is is the, the, the Whitehall, you know, the British government doesn't really know what's going on in Greece, does it? No. And, a, a, at all. And yet is trying to sort of... I suppose we'd call it nation build now, wouldn't we? Where you, you try and impose a constitution and, and and it's a constitution that's to your taste and that you hope is to the to the to the Greeks' taste. And but, but they don't really know they don't really know how strong or weak they are in Greece or how much actual influence they can wield. And it's also that thing that when well, the moment you're leaving, no one cares what you think anymore. I mean you, you know, you look at look at how quickly Afghanistan last year the moment it, it was obvious that the game was up for the Allies, that for, for the for the Western Allies or whatever, who whatever, however we're describing the, um, uh, the 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 armies in in Afghanistan, you know, the moment the game was up, the, to, you know, Afghan politics reasserted itself, didn't it? And that's what's that's what's going on here. And you 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 have a vacuum, don't you? There are riots. The British the British are, are groping around for for a for a solution, aren't they? Or rather, Churchill is. And he's trying to find. Well, they all are. I think. I think you know, Macmillan is the um, is the minister in residence yeah. in in the yeah. Mediterranean. Yeah. And Alexander, who is by this stage the supreme monarch. Well, this is what the, by December. This is what Alex says. So to, lots of things happen in December. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but this is but this is what Alex says to, says to Churchill on the fifteenth of December. I am most concerned that you should know exactly what true situation is and what we can do and cannot do. This is my duty. Assuming that Elas continue to fight, I estimate that it will be possible to clear the Athens-Piraeus area and thereafter to hold it securely. But this will not defeat Elas and force them to surrender. We are not strong enough to go beyond this and undertake operations on the Greek mainland. It is my opinion that the Greek problem cannot be solved by military measures. The answer must be found in the political field. Finally, I think you know that you can always rely on me to do everything in my power to carry out your wishes, but I earnestly hope that you will be able to find a political solution to the Greek problem, as I am convinced that further military action after we've cleared the athens Piraeus area is beyond our present strength. So he's saying... Because after all, what what what? Who ends up in Greece doing doing uh, crowd control is second para brigade, second independent para brigade, who are what basically everything that's that's all that's available at that point to 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 the British. One brigade of one one brigade of of, of light infantry essentially. So what? Yeah. So this is under General Scobie, and Scobie's yeah. an interesting character because he's he's that sort of classic kind of slightly abrasive, not very imaginative, kind of lifelong soldier. You know. Yeah. Yeah, uh, um, twistly moustache. Yeah. Um, you know, politics isn't his game, but soldiering is. Damn it! Um, and, and, and you know, and he's not really the ideal person. But they do suddenly reinforce. So they, they, you know, by by the by yeah. beginning of December, it's kind of forty thousand troops from four. Yes. And by yes. the end of December, it's eighty thousand British troops, including the forty-sixth Midland Division. Yeah. And they are, and, and Scobie, credit where credit's due, he does. He does organise meetings with with um, Stefan um, Stefanos Sarafis and Napoleon Zervas, so kind of um, the um, EDES leader 
And they have uh, a number of meetings, not least one on the 22nd of November 1944. And Servas agrees to disband EDS, but Sarafis only agrees to do so once reassurances are made that his men are going to be safe. Yeah. So, uh, and he also d- demands that collaborators should be purged. Yeah. And, you know, Scobie can't give give those assurances. No. So, um, you know, it, it's starting to be a bit, you know, the situation is incredibly, incredibly febrile. Yeah. And then on the 2nd of December, 1944, there's five EAM ministers in, um, in, in, um, in the, the government in exile which is now not in exile because it's come back yeah. over because uh, yeah. Athens is liberated in, in October. Yeah. And, and they, re- they resign and call for a general strike, a mass demonstrations in Constitution Square at 11 a.m. Yeah. on the 3rd of December. The government yeah. says, no, you can't do that, but they do it anyway. Someone fires a rifle, 12 people get killed, a whole load more get, get wounded. And it's not, the whole situation isn't cleared up until a kind of, you know, company of British Paris kind of, I'm not quite sure which, which company it is, but company of British Paris then comes in and kind of sort of, you know, restores order again. Yeah. But, but clearly it's, it's, it's very, very febrile. Now, Papandreou, who is, is, the, is the prime minister, then offers to resign. Uh, and again, um, uh, Churchill says, no, I'm not going to allow this. And Rex Leeper, who is the ambassador, says, come on, you know, um, this, this, is, this is not good. Uh, and, and, and Churchill tells Scobie to use force if he needs to. Yeah. He says, do not, however, hesitate to act if you were as, as if you were in a conquered city where a local rebellion is in progress. We yeah. have to hold and dominate Athens. It would be a great thing for you to succeed in this without bloodshed if possible, but also with bloodshed if necessary. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's quite punchy. Yeah, it was it was but, uh, C Company Fourth Parachute Battalion. There you go. Right. Okay. But <laughs> but, but you know, but 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 by this point, the civil war has started up again because Elas is now attacking EDS in in Epiros, which is in the northwest. I mean, you could you could ask the question: Is there anything that anything that actually the British government can do in this in this set of circumstances? And I think the answer is no. Well, I, th- I think the only thing they could have done is is kind of drop the whole kind of the king's got to be back in power thing yeah. earlier, yeah. and I think that would have saved the whole. But, but, but during this this fortnight, they basically shift the idea of a regent, don't they? And the, um, yes. uh, uh, and basically, the, the the king says there shouldn't be a regent, but the king's away. Papandreou's trying to come up with a a solution, isn't he? You yeah. know, and and the 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 idea is you you don't you know they don't. The, so they look for a regent, don't they? So they yes. they, they go to to, to um, uh, Archbishop, Archbishop Damaskinos, who's the Archbishop of Athens. Yes, I just think it's such a. I mean, but, but, but meanwhile, such a I mean, you know, peculiar thing to do. One of the reasons why Elas weakens itself is because they're fighting on multiple fronts. So they're fighting EDS in Epiros. Yeah, so much so that that, that as um, Napoleon Zervas's troops are disbanding, they get overwhelmed by the um, by the Elas. Yeah, um, and, and this is. Aris Velachutis and his mob um, and Monty Woodhouse has to arrange for them to be evacuated by the Royal Navy yeah and they do you know yeah. they, they get evacuated to Corfu you know yeah. along with a whole load of troops and thousands yeah. of them and, and yeah. you know it's quite a major operation it's not a small undertaking yeah. but they do but then there's a kind of you know it is now clear that, that Rex Leeper who's the, the ambassador Macmillan who's the the, the um you know, the minister in resident in the Mediterranean and Alexander and Anthony Eden are all going, the time has come for the king to resign. You know, he has yeah. to abdicate. Yeah, yeah. 
you know, we have to get rid of Papandreou. These are the things that's going to stop the impasse. Let's just do it. And eventually there's a conference in Athens to which Churchill attends, along with yep. Eden, McMillan, Alexander, yep. French and US ambassadors, yep. and Colonel Popov of the USSR, and of course <laughs> Archbishop Damaskinos. And, and at this point, Churchill caves in. He's now on the spot. He's no yep. longer making these decisions from Whitehall. He's yep. actually there in Athens and he goes, yep. okay, right. So on the 4th of January, General Nicolaus um, Plasteris, who's a staunch Republican, he's appointed Prime Minister. Yeah. Um, uh, Damaskinos takes over as, um, as regent and the king um, 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 abdicates. And in the meantime, these 80,000 British forces, obviously, Elas is absolutely no match for any of them. Yeah. You know, not around the Athens um, kind of Attica area. And so they're driven out. You know, RAF is bombing their positions. I mean, yeah. it's just extraordinary. Yeah, yeah. Um, and on the 10th of January, Elas finally approached Scobie about a truce. And, and with, you know, all their conditions have now been met because they're no longer kind of, you know, the, the, the king is gone and all the rest of it. Yeah. Um, and, and this takes effect uh, on the 15th of January. So this is, this is sort of round two of the Civil War finally ends. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've told this in kind of sort of lightning fast fashion. Um, but even so, there's a whole lot, you know, Elas disappear with a whole load of hostages, which kind of about 5,000 of them get executed. You know, so it's a, it's a right old mess. God. I mean, it really is. And, and Elas mobilises, they're given till the 15th of March 1945 to hand over the weapons. They hand over 49,000 rifles and pistols, 1,412 submachine guns, 713 automatic rifles, 419 MGs, 100 artillery pieces, mortars, radios, and so on. Yeah. But that's not enough for kind of 80, to take on 80,000 British troops, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so they, they, they can see which way it's going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but there are some, you know, and that, that is it. You know, it's a, you know the, the situation is saved. Um, Greece isn't going to become communist post-war, or at least not until the civil war breaks out again around three in March 1946. Yeah. And goes on until October 1949. Yeah. It's actually a horror story. But interesting, Aris Velachutis, um, he just goes, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to throw in the town. I'm going to carry on fighting. And yeah. he gets ambushed on the 15th of June, 1945. Yeah. Um, by government troops and commits suicide. And uh, the government troops then chop off his head and hang it from a, from a street lamp in Tricala. And actually, if you, you can see a photo of it, it's I mean, quite, it, quite grim. It, it's interesting in a way, isn't it? Because Greece is a relatively modern um, European country, isn't it? Strictly speaking, yeah. you know, we yes. talk when we talk about. Well, it's part of the your, Ottoman Empire, isn't it? Well, so, exactly. But as your brother, as your brother would would, would, would tell anyone, there, there is no Greece in the time of ancient Greece, is it? It's a series of city states and principalities yes. and stuff. And we have this idea of a, this Churchill's idea of a Greece is is more to do with that than it is to do with the the modern cobbled together post independence nationalist. Con- conception. I mean, I, th- there's the account of Churchill and Eden having to go back to London and tell King George that what's happened in Athens is really fantastic. So on the 29th of December, they they call they call him to Downing Street, and Churchill wrote afterwards, "This has been a very painful task to me. If I, I had to tell the king that if he did not agree, the matter would be settled without him, and that we should recognise the new government instead of him." Um. Uh, and he then he also said that George behaved like a gentleman with the utmost dignity. But the, the king's private secretary was in an adjoining room at Downing Street and wrote this. I could hear through the door the voices of Churchill and Eden, but particularly the latter, raised in anger at the king. In the middle of this heated argument, the door was flung open and the king stormed out, his face white and taut. In the car as we drove back to the hotel, the king would not trust himself to speak. After recovering his composure, he went back to Downing Street and informed Churchill and Eden that he had no choice but to acquiesce, acquiesce to their demands. 
being ourselves it resolved. Just, it just would have solved a whole lot. Of, you know, if, if, the, if the British had been more compromising yeah. earlier on, that whole load could have been saved. I'm absolutely sure of it. I think that was a mistake. Um, but, but you know, from London, you're just thinking, you're thinking monarchy. And you're, you're thinking that for traditional reasons, because Britain's a monarchy, because, well, and also, aren't you, you know, the, the King George II is, you know, related to our own monarchy and all sorts of, you know, um, uh, personal ties, which kind of make it harder to go get rid of him. But it, but it's clearly a mistake. Well, and also, and also there's that, there's all, there's that traditional problem, isn't there? That the people who go off to Greece or wherever... They, you know, the idea is they've gone native, isn't it? Is what the what would and so they they come back and say, well, this is much more complicated than you understand. And there's this bloke and there's this chap and yeah. this group and uh, and the, the communists might be sp- small, but they're super organised and they're really yeah. they're really well motivated and all that. And they're discounted as having, you know, oh well, you know, he he he's obviously you can't see the wood for the trees. Can't see the wood for the trees. You've been lent on. You've been you've been well entertained by one group of people you've made friends with, and it's really interesting because Woodhouse, Monty Woodhouse, is talking about he 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 admires the uh, Sviras, the communist leader, because because you can have an intellectual argument with him that's a satisfying argument, and that the communists are better organised than any of the others, and all this sort of thing, and 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 so regards him, although he is ideologically opposed to him, regards him as a sort of as a as a well organised and decent chap, and you've got you've got all that going on, and and so no wonder. I mean, when because Churchill Churchill goes, it's a Boxing Day, isn't it? Churchill's in Athens. He comes in a comes in in a in in, in uh, uh, what's the name? What's the name? What's the name of the ship? I can't remember. Meets Damaskinos, then comes into Athens. They have they, they they lay the whole deal out on the table, and as they're leaving, that they're being the ship's being shelled at one point. So it's you know another one of those Churchill instances where he's with within the whiff of gun smoke. So he get yeah. he gets his little within he, range of musketry. Exactly, yeah. he gets his adventure. But like you say, when he gets there, realizes, oh, actually, um, I've I've been getting this quite wrong, and yeah. I, I really haven't had a proper grip on what's been going on. Yeah. Um, so credit uh, where credit's due, he does kind of you know. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. It's it, it, all down the end, but it faces just, the reality of it. No, it's the it's the sort of drawn out um, element where they're, you know, and you, you I, I rather feel for the SOE guys writing home or going to Cairo, you know, going going back to Cairo, and it's also bloody dangerous them doing all this as well. You know, there's one point where Wood, Woodhouse Woodhouse has to hide with the communists because. Um, his his uh, his messenger has been compromised, you know, with with a direction finding thing, while while sending a message, his radio messenger. So he has to go on the run, has to go into hiding. There's another time where he's got pneumonia, and he has yeah. to go, and he has, to, and he's, and his life's in great danger, and they have to hide him, and they have to find antibiotics for him, and all this sort of stuff. I mean, it's it's you know the the high drama of these SOE people. Then they get back to the Cairo, and they're told they're full of shit. It must be very very. It must be incredibly disheartening. And you can see why Myers, Myers, when he gets back to London, is bawled out and he's bollocked and he's told he, he's told he's gone native and all that sort of thing. But he's offering a rational appraisal of what's going on in Greece. It's a, I mean, that tension is very, very interesting, isn't it? And 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 he's surely an eternal problem. He's sure, you yeah. know, when when someone goes somewhere and they get a proper grip on the place, they go back to Whitehall and they go, you've no idea what it's like in Greece, Iraq. Afghanistan, Cairo, yeah, yeah, wherever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I remember that from when I was in Afghanistan. You know, yeah. I, I remember absolutely clear as day, kind of thinking this is very different from the kind of the Today program and the Times version of what's going yeah. on in Afghanistan. Yeah. It's totally different. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's really, really important to stress, though, that, that you know, in these three podcasts that we've been doing where we've been touching on, on, on Greece's war, 
we are but scraping the very top of the iceberg. I mean, this this is an incredibly complex situation. There's so many different strands and stuff. So, you know, this is nothing more than a kind of like a, a cursory introduction to what happened. But it is still a kind of, you yeah. know, it, it, I, I, we've kind of laid out the kind of main key events, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. But there we go. Fascinating think, though, isn't it? Fascinating. Yeah, it is endlessly fascinating. Yeah. Where, just one last thing. Where, what about your grandfather though? Well, he was on. He was on. He was part of Macmillan's crew, so went went on the Damaskinos thing adventure. Wow! So was there. That's very cool. Yeah, wow. and at, at that at at the conference where they resolved it all. Yeah, he spoke Greek. He ended up ambassador to Greece. So um, in the in, in the early in the early sixties, I think. Wow. Um, uh, and didn't think much. You know, when when the colonel's government, you know, uh, the the government of the colonels. Then, because the the colonels the colonels did get a did get a go, didn't they? At one point in, yeah. in in Greece, I mean, twenty years later than the than the British were trying to sort in the forties. But yeah, he went to he was um, yeah ambassador to Greece until sixty seven. So uh, yeah, that's well, right. Yeah, that's quite until sixty seven. That's quite a long time, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, sixty two to sixty two to sixty seven. I think. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, anyway, that's I've really enjoyed doing that and, and doing my little dive, you know, doing our little dive into yeah. into Greece's war. I must say, it's been fascinating. Yeah. No, it's really, really interesting. And I, the, the the thing is with SOE is is you know mixed results. <laughs> um, and the I, but I do but I, I I do really feel for for Myers. I really do. I've, yeah, uh, yeah. And and Woodhouse. No wonder he wanted to. He, no wonder he wanted to come back and join the first airborne division. Well, yeah, and there we go. And, and there we go. We've managed to get Arnhem into this, everybody, um, because yeah. Myers is the man who swam the Rhine backwards and forwards. Um, uh, uh, he's a total lad, isn't he? He's a, a total superstar, mega legend. And the idea that you just—I mean, obviously, he didn't just go back. He, you know, he went. He went. He went to a sort of an exciting. Uh, I imagine what he would regard as an exciting posting, being CRE of um, of first airborne. But 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 the the war career he'd had up to that point when he just became a soldier is absolutely amazing. Yeah, incredible. And obviously, he was he was a rather brilliant man as well. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Anyway, that's all we've got time for. We hope you've enjoyed episode today's five hundred and first episode of We Have Ways of Making You Talk. Um, uh, and you probably by now realised that um, there's still plenty more to talk about. If we've managed to do this much war waffle, it's not going. I mean, we didn't even talk about Black Snow, and did we? We were going to talk about that. No. Well, I'm going. I'm catching up with James Scott in September. I'm, I'm seeing him. So, yes, um, we have a proper read of that. The other thing is, I finished that book about the escape line. It's absolutely amazing. You've, uh, you, you've, you've oh, got wow. to read it. It's absolutely incredible. Okay. And the archives, no, the guy, there, there is a, there is an, you know, an evader archive that the French have, the, the way you can look everyone up, and 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 the book gets down to who the traitor, who the who betrayed it all probably was. Oh, wow. Well, okay. Yeah, yeah. And Charbonnier, Bazarque, when he's ambushed, it's not an ambush. They drive, they, there's, there's a truck that's broken down in La Roque and there's Germans guarding it. And as the story goes, as Bazarque and his party come through, they go, oh God, it's the Germans. We're, we're going to have to shoot it out. And they probably could have... Just gone through. Just gone through. But who knows? Amazing. But it's um a hell of that's a hell of a that's such an interesting book. So close well, to freedom. Do, we could do a bit more on that. Couldn't yeah, we? yeah, yeah, I think so. Anyway, we will see you all very soon. Thanks very much for listening. Bye bye. Cheerio.